Hello, hello, hello. So, the big reveal. The bit that I've been working on so hard with clients on for the last little while, which I'm very excited to release, which is the launch of the brand new up-to-date female follow-ups program. So what makes this so, so different compared to anything else that you see out there from other coaches, other people? This has actually been created by clients. So I spoke to a number of my one-to-one clients and my group coaching clients in the last little while. And I sat down with them and had a meeting with them and had a call with them and kind of asked them what would they need or what did they want at the very beginning that they potentially didn't see from anyone else. So what they've gone and done in the background is they've created add-ons to what I already do. So if you're someone who's looking to finally lose all that weight, keep it off, banish the belly, understand that you can have your weekends have your drinks away have your meals away have your drinks out with the girls or the lads whatever it may be and break that all or nothing mindset so most approaches that you go for it all seems very very doable for the first few weeks and then you stop the wheels come off you start off very very confident and then something happens life ramps up one of the kids gets six and then you're staring back at you and looking in the mirror again and you're looking at yourself putting yourself down you look at you start to pinch you start to look at everything else and you're looking for someone to aid you. You're looking for someone to guide you. But nothing ever happens. The scales never budge. You are losing confidence. You're losing motivation. You're losing determination. You get frustrated. You end up pressing the fuck up button, getting a takeaway, having a few drinks, eating more than you maybe need to. You decide to sit down and have a Netflix marathon and you end up getting about 1,200 steps in your day. You end up picking more food because you don't know how to deal with your emotions. You let things slide over a week or two and then you're back up into your old thing. You repeat that cycle over and over again and you're lost. You don't know what to do. You've tried everything. You've tried clean eating. You've tried low carb. You've tried fasting diets. You've tried keto. You've tried cutting out chocolate. You've tried every, you've tried every single insane thing that you've ever done. But this program is going to be different. This is now eight weeks of coaching where you get weekly check-ins. You have weekly lives with me on a Facebook group. You get your tailored calories. You've gym or home workouts. You are able to do this at any age. The workouts take anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how quick you are doing them. It doesn't mean that you have to do endless amounts of prep. The simple thing that we focus on at the very beginning of each week is, have you got a shop in? That's easy. It doesn't mean endless amounts of cardio. It doesn't mean that you're cutting out any food group. It means that you're able to have chocolate and carbs every single day. You're getting rid of food fear. You're getting rid of that all or nothing mindset. And the biggest thing that I would say is that is the feedback that is coming back from the current female fat loss group and the current one-to-one clients. It's losing that food fear. It's losing that fear of undoing anything. It's losing that all or nothing mindset. So it can be done. Once you let go of that fear, life changes. Your mindset changes dropping restriction dropping those food rules that's what this program is for my job with this program is to make sure this is the last program you ever do that you are in a place that i'm going to give you all the secrets and the tips that you're able to go off on your own by at the end of it so what does it involve it involves you clicking on the button into in the show notes to book on your priority place it's eight weeks of coaching for 99 euro the old package was six weeks of coaching for 169. I brought it down for eight weeks coaching, so I've added another two weeks on for 99 euro. That's one euro 70 a day. 
that is half your cup of coffee if you live in Dublin or one of those fancy cities of your cup of coffee a day. It's one euro seventy. It's not a whole lot to get life-changing results, a life-changing mindset that's going to add to your life and the people around you. So if you're ready, click on the link below, book your spot. As soon as that number, as soon as the number gets hit on the amount of people that sign up, that link will shut down and you won't be able to come in. It starts on the 10th of April. So if you have a holiday, if you have something coming up in the summer, like getting married, it's perfect for you. It will get you the results that you can actually keep and maintain. There's recipe books, there's workouts, there's lives, there's Q&As with me, and there's weekly check-ins for accountability. And there's a like-minded group of a Facebook group that you can share things with, and everyone supports everyone. You don't have to share if you don't want, but you can if you want. It's support that a lot of people want. It's getting away from that all-or-nothing mindset, and that's what this is for. So if you're interested in working with me in the Female Fat Loss Program, starts on the 10th of April, 2023, 99 euro for, for eight weeks, which is year, 1 euro 70 a day. I'm keeping, it, I'm keeping it cheap and cheerful so everyone can join. So if you're interested, click on the link below, and I'm looking forward to working with you on the 10th of April. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So today's episode is someone that I had great crack with and I could relate to an awful lot of Owen's story. So Owen Sheehan is a 24, 25-year-old TV chef and food entrepreneur from Limerick. And he's gone from learning how to cook for himself in college out of necessity to blowing up on Instagram and providing amazing recipes. And he now sells dinners and grew his business Country Munch to being able to supply food to some of the biggest sports teams in the country, Munster Rugby, some of the GAA teams, which is amazing. And now Owen is a resident chef on Virgin Media 6 o'clock show, showcasing his kind of home, easy-to-do home-cooked meals. And he does cooking demos and workshops to corporates and companies all over Ireland as well, which is amazing to see. So this episode is predominantly kind of mindset-based, but it's also with a heavy focus on how to manage your nutrition while being a busy person and being professional because i think it's hugely important but it's also we hone in on a lot of kind of mental side of things for own so it's it's a really really amazing episode so i hope you enjoy the, the episode with own sheehan own how are we sir i'm great i'm great how are you i'm not too bad i can see a little bit of a, a shiner on the on the face i'm i'm really trying to sit further away from the camera as possible yeah i have a few bumps and bruises and I okay. cut inside my lip, so my speech might be slightly impaired, and my visuals are slightly impaired at the moment. But um, the audio would be fine. Don't worry. Happy days. So, for anyone who isn't aware of who you are and what you do, like you, for someone, I don't mean this as an ageist thing. For someone so young, you've done extremely well. Um, I don't think it can be downplayed in any way. So, for anyone who isn't aware of what you do and who you are, can you give us a little bit of a quick elevator pitch? I wonder how long will I be able to keep that so young thing? Um, then you get thirty, and then you get old. Is it, yeah, I've always wondered at what point will I be, you know, transition from being the young person to just being the person itself? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, it's, I'm commonly in short as that as, and like I've always been like a young entrepreneur. Um, so I'm always curious. Like, I wonder at what point will people just stop saying the young person? Uh, I'd, from say Limerick, ter- so. I'd say it's thirty. Okay, sweet. Well, I'm I'm more chicken. I'm 26, uh, so another four years of being young, which is great. I um, 
I am a business owner and uh, I suppose I'm a home cook. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a chef. I'm, I'm not a trained chef, but I own a food business here in Limerick called Country Munch. And um, I suppose that's, that's how, how I got into this whole world is, is through food. Um, I've never done a culinary course. I've never done a business course, but my full-time job is a food business. And all the bells and whistles that go with that. And I kind of fell into the world of media as a TV chef. So I cook on the Six O'Clock Show, which I probably would be more known for now than I would for, for other things. I suppose before it was always social media and, and um, in that world, whereas when you come into the sports national media you're kind of a bit your perception has changed slightly so people may recognize me from that uh, virgin media show um and yeah that's kind of the general synopsis is i do everything in terms of food and business and 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 everything in between how did you kind of come up with the idea of the kind of like the the, the food side of things as in like the meal prep side of things because there are so many companies out there but the quality of yours are is is kind of a level above what i've tasted mostly great and you, you have you tried food i've tried yeah i got i got it for the uh as a, as a way to kind of uh to test it out so i knew what i was talking about excellent that's great to hear oh, that's great to hear um yeah it started through necessity as opposed to plan um like i said I, i'm a chemical and biochemical engineer by trade i studied in university of limerick to be a chemical engineer never really wanted to be a chemical engineer if i'm to be honest i just googled salary of a chemical engineer when i was in school and it was really good so i was like i'll do that i was playing rugby at the time and all i want to do was play rugby and sports have always been quite prevalent i suppose in my in my life and um you know i was doing really well in rugby and i, I thought that's what i my ambitions were to to go pro and play for monster and ul being the base of monster i was like this is perfect i'll be close to them i'll play ball there I was, you know, playing club level for Gary Owen at a decent level. And it was all, the trajectory was pretty straightforward for me. It was like, keep going the way I'm going. It was only a matter of time before I'm surely picked up by somebody on, on a, you know, a short-term contract. And whilst I'm waiting, I'll go to UL with my my friends that are going to UL anyway. And I'll be close to Munster and I'll have the crack of the lads. So I was actually, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I initially thought I'd do sports science. Um that was the first kind of, I think that was my first CEO choice for a while. Just literally to stay in the world of sport and, and to stay in line with what I was doing. And uh, my strengths in school were kind of maths and chemistry and engineering. I was good at them. Never really had much grow for them, but I, I was good at them. And I remember I met my career guidance counselor and she didn't give me much, to be honest, but she just said, listen, you know, your strengths are here and here. There's a course in UL that does chemical engineering. I was like, grand, Google it. Salary was good. I was like, perfect, that loop. Went to well then, and I suppose the food comes in then when just more so around the training. Like we were training an awful lot. I was training morning and evening, sometimes gym in the morning and maybe a pitch session at night time. And college was so busy uh, against my own will. You know the structure of that of that course was pretty heavy on. So I just started meal prepping my own dinners. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Just knew I needed time and convenience. Um, wasn't a massive cook. I could probably feed myself nothing exquisite youtube was my was my asset you know youtube was was my was my teacher and i just started cooking my own dinners but i was constantly kind of posting on instagram and this is 2015 probably instagram was relatively new and a novel thing so we didn't really know what we were doing but posting recipes and posting training clips and um i always saw the distinction when i post i could post four training videos me in the gym squatting or bench or deadlifting and I get minor engagement and then I post my breakfast and that would get a lot of engagement. 
Yeah. And I get a lot of comments and replies and people would text me asking how did I make them, what the recipe was. So kind of like unaware to all this, like I just started, I suppose like, I leaned more on the food just to purely get the engagement and was showing my meal prep myself and was going through the recipes. And then literally a buddy of mine texted me, asked me what I cook him five dinners. He worked in a, in a local pharmaceutical doing shift work. And he, the canteen was closed at nighttime. He needed dinners. I said, no, initially I said, I didn't have time. He offered me 10 euro dinner for five dinners. So I made 50 quid that week. I was like, happy days, made him five extra dinners. And that was genuinely was the first order sale I ever made. And then, you know, I did that for a week or two and he's friend in work, saw what he was eating and he got the same. So then I started making 100 euro a week, just cooking 10 dinners extra. And I, I was just very transparent with all this. Like, this is so new to me and I hadn't a clue what I was doing. But I, I'm lucky. I think I saw the value in documenting it quite early on, especially on YouTube. I was watching a lot of American YouTubers and I was, I, I've always watched a lot of YouTube. And so I was fascinated by that process. And I saw, I suppose, myself starting something potentially. So I was like, I better just document this and I suppose unintentionally cultivate an audience. But for myself, more so just, you know, for nostalgia purposes, the benefit I get from YouTube now is I look back to when I was, you know, 18 cooking dinners in my college house. Now I can watch that back and, you know, it's a fun memory. At the time, you know, I wasn't getting big viewership. I certainly wasn't making money from it. So it was just a labor of love um for the early part so it was this you know low level cooking for friends and then this you know relentless consistency with posting content um be it recipes be it vlogs on youtube be it posts on instagram snapchat stories i just became obsessive with i'm not getting anything from this for the moment but i have a fairly good idea that i need to cultivate an audience to eventually have some buying power or selling power i should say and yeah again it was very innocent back then you know there was never much ambition towards it granted in the later years of of um college there was mo- certainly more ambition there and there was a kind of, I suppose a clear uh guidance then of okay this could be x y or z but initially it was purely for the love of it and for the fun of it and making a bit of cash on the side was great crack um but i truly fell in love with cooking uh and i do i suppose i i must have been passionate I was certainly, I was passionate about business and I suppose making money in like from the sense of I sold fake IDs in school. And, and then after that, I bought turkeys and sold them on our farm at home in Palace. Um, so that I didn't know at the time, but there must be some entrepreneurial there is gene a... gene in me. Yeah. So this is just a new ele- a new way for me to make a few extra quid in the side. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, there's a really kind of nice gratification of cooking something, boxing, giving a person, feeding them and getting good feedback. It's a really quick, instant gratification and transactional kind of um, gratification. So I think I was feeding off that, you know, and obviously building this prospect of a business and the the disdain towards chemical engineering nearly fueled the business more. Um, I was having to spend so much time in college against my will taking away my time from the business yeah. that when I got the chance to go at it, I went out of full force and the fear of having to be a chemical engineer was the only fuel I ever needed to build a business. You know, if, if you just told me if this business doesn't work, you have to go work in a chemical engineering company. And, you know, I was like, no problem. I promise you this will work like, because that just can't be an option for me. 
<laughs> you, you mentioned two interesting parts there about delayed gratification or you spoke about gratification and like and then you also spoke fear as a driver for you but the delayed gratification thing because everything like we all want something now yeah. and like if you look at social media and especially if you're like up on youtube or whatever it may be it can be we, we're looking for the likes we're looking for that dopamine hit mm-hmm. we're looking for that kind of reward hormone and you spoke about there how your business process was it was kind of like it started off at 50 then it went to 100 a week and then it kind of built up and built up how did you kind of get away from the instant gratification towards the delayed gratification when it came to business was it the fear that was driving it or was it something else yeah i'm not sure and because i certainly was very um, comfortable without the instant gratification in those early like I suppose I'll put it in the point of view with the content. Um, you know, making a YouTube video might have taken me three or four days and it genuinely might only get like 11 views, 12 views. Yeah. And I was okay with that. And I remember like at the time, I suppose if you really sit with it for long enough, you know, you'll find the negatives. But I was always very confident that I was working towards a bigger picture. And I think I just submerged myself in that ecosystem and that world of business. And I was like, watching an awful lot of Gary Vaynerchuk at the time and um, Simon Sinek and, and all, I suppose, very much American entrepreneurial business owners. And, you know, all this walk about was, you know, content and consistency and building, you know, a business. So I was quite comfortable in knowing that, grand, I'm doing this now and I'm not going to see much for it at the moment, but I know where I want to go. And once I have kind of rough markers of how I know I'm on track with that, you know, whereas, you know, it might be grand in six months time, I'd like to be around a thousand followers or, you know, a thousand views or whatever it may be. Um, and I was fairly comfortable with that. I think, you know, I, 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 I like structure anyway, in general, um, you know, I'd be a structured and routine person to a degree. I love routine. And sometimes, sometimes I, I, I suppose if you look at my life, it's, it's relative, it's a routine life within, uh, unroutined i suppose week if that makes sense there's certain things that always be on point but i I also like the flexibility and spontaneity of of different working days but um that structure suited me so it was a kind of non-negotiable like grand every day we post on instagram that's just non-negotiable every week we post on youtube and we're not going to get sucked into the likes or or the the interaction or the engagement and i kind of like grand for the next year or two years we'll just do this and we'll see what happens and I suppose I always took massive comfort in knowing that I was only like 20, 21, 22. I was like, I'm really early at this. I'm young. I have it. I will have a degree. So I have a safety net. Worst okay. case scenario, you know, I could work. Um, you know, if it doesn't work, I'm not going to be out in the streets. I had a lot of security in myself. And to be honest with you, I had an awful lot of confidence in myself at that point. You know, I kind of knew, I was like, I reckon I can do this. Like, I was, you know, I was quite isolated those early years of college. I didn't socialize much. Um, I didn't, you know, drink as much as the average college student was. I didn't, my weekends, I worked an awful lot. I worked an awful lot during the week. I was, you know, I, I sacrificed an awful lot in those early years, all with this kind of confidence and knowing that trust in the process. And, and that gratification, you know, comes later on. Um, but I suppose to that point, there needs to be little nuggets of instant gratification amongst that long-term goal. So the instant gratification might be meeting a customer that's getting on really well or meeting a client that lost, you know, a couple of kilos. 
that's that gratification and that's that reassurance that you're doing right. Or, you know, in that world, it might have been we're doing more meals this week or um, we're getting more inquiries or there's new prospects coming up. So all of that is feeding back to me and like, okay, the process is working. Let's not change it. Let's not do anything different. Let's not get greedy. Let's not change the system. We're still posting daily. We're still doing all this kind of stuff. So I just fell into that world and it was really easy for me. Um, I think when I, you know, I enjoyed it, it was a hobby. To be honest, I was in college to be a chemical engineer. So this was all a hobby at the time. It wasn't making, you know, I, w- I certainly couldn't drop out of college, yeah. but I was, you know, making a bit of money on the side and I was really enjoying it. And I had a lot of confidence that I was working towards a bigger picture, um, which is very tough at the time in, to for other people to see that, you know, because it's hard to understand that that whole kind of solo entrepreneur thing. Yeah, and that's, it, it is real. It's you know? hard to understand. And, I don't, and I'm, I'm not sitting here playing the victim card with that side of things. But if you're if you're in a steady job, and you're kind of like not trying to kind of like explain yourself to people or kind of like you you don't know the worries of like if you don't work or your systems don't work you ultimately don't get paid so it's mm-hmm. kind of like it, it it is that kind of like it's understanding that you have to be a little bit selfish but i think you mentioned simon Sinek, like the importance of having your why you knew your why you started yeah. with your why that compound thing compound effect over time built up and built up do you celebrate your small wins as you go along? Like the fact that you were with the madhouse that was the two Johnnies getting on the six o'clock yeah. show and then you're doing cooking demos at Cali Cali or you're doing, um, you're getting a certain amount of business or a certain amount of clients mm-hmm. in. Like, do you celebrate your wins or is it kind of like, are they like the holidays with your partner or what way does it work for you? Yeah, it's, I've gotten better at it for sure. I think in that I don't really look at my kind of journey so far. Like uh, the initial years were very solo. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was, I was described as a lone wolf. I wouldn't describe myself as that, but I was, you know, I was on my own and that, you know, unfortunately is a lot of, you know, early day entrepreneurship. If you're not, you know, uh, in a partnership in a business or if it's not two or three, I, I was, um, no, I, I had good people around me and I had good support systems, but a lot, a lot of it does fall on your own shoulders. And, um, and, you know, we spoke about fear and fear is a huge driver and that kind of stuff. You know, you put yourself, especially when you're so transparent, you put it all out there. And then the fear of failure is a huge motivator. You know, it's it's it can be used positively in a way, you know, because it keeps you on track, but it can also cripple you. You know, it can, it can be the reason you don't start. So there's ways of using it to to push you on but there's ways where I can you know completely cripple you and, and stop the process altogether and I think in those days I probably wouldn't have sat in the winds as much as I do now um I was you know very driven it was go 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 and it was you know we get this great now what's next it was always very much done cool we did it how do we do it bigger how do we do more you know it might have been the case where I want to do 100 meals a week and we get there and it's not good enough then it's like okay but now i want to do 500 uh and now i want to do a thousand when you hit those little milestones and i've certainly gotten better at that over you know probably the last couple of years through a number of things um i think just general maturity as you get a little bit older i think when you're very early 20s you're in that very selfish era of go 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 i want all the money i want all the business i want all of it um whereas i think 
with a level of maturity, you're kind of realizing actually, do you know what? I don't really need all of it to be honest. Like I'm pretty happy. I know what I need to survive. You know what I need, and, and anything extra is great. Uh, and you celebrate that, I suppose. So maybe just thinking out loud, like you get to a level where your competence with what takes all the boxes and anything extra are wins. Um, so like I always kind of say, I could probably do a, a working week now. If if social media left tomorrow, if Instagram got deleted or Instagram changed, yeah. I still have my brick and mortar business that I could probably live comfortably off of and I could do it for the rest of my life, not grow anymore try not to lose any business, just stay comfortable, stay clean, make a decentish living, and I'm sound. Um, but it, it wouldn't really suit me, I suppose. I, I kind of like that. I want more and I want it bigger and there's huge potential there. So you want to continuously grow it. Um, but so in knowing that then, anything extra, bonus, you know, so stuff like those big gigs that you get or, or those TV sessions, you know, when before I would have looked at them and be like, cool, take the box, what's next? Now I can kind of sit back and be like, cool, this is, that was a really cool thing to do. Um, I've worked an off long year, a lot of years to get here. And I can appreciate it in the moment for sure. I certainly don't dwell on it too much. Um, but don't get carried away with that. A lot of my wins and a lot of my time is is from like what you said there, like traveling or getting away for a while or being either being alone or being with my partner. Um either in or, in or out of the country so I wouldn't be one to be you know going out splashing the cash in the club um, or anything extravagant like that but you know I, I, I certainly enjoy time away or um, sitting in it I suppose you know I, I I think that's more beneficial than anything else you know if you can really sit in it with your own thoughts and really dissect it and really feel good about it because you could I could do a big gig and then go to Limerick, spend, you know, a grand in, in some pub. But I'm still not appreciating it. I'm just going through the motions of this is probably what I should do. And I, this is what people do when they hit big milestones. So everyone's different in that regard, you know. For me, it might be come home, have a nice dinner and relax for the evening. And, you know, be nice to myself. Take the evening off or watch something that I want to watch on TV or go to jiu-jitsu, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, so no, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any necessities in that, but it's, you know, appreciating something I think really comes to, do you genuinely appreciate it internally? Like, can you genuinely sit with it and, and be grateful for it? Or is it, okay, I need to appreciate this. So I need to go and spend X amount of money to show them my appreciation X, you know, something like that, which I see a lot. And it's, it's, I don't, I don't think it's the right mode of practice. You're very aware of yourself. Which is unique. Mm. You're very that's yeah. very, very unique. Like I, I'm hearing everything you're saying and I can relate to it. I did my shift from I had a real job as I call it up until about twenty-nine. I got sick, so I had to quit work for like nine months to a year. And I fell into the whole fitness thing. And I was that element of kind of fear, looking at it as a process and looking at celebrate. I struggled for the first two or three years. I really struggled with kind of making sure to celebrate those small wins along the way. And now it's something I have to make sure of. Like my my best mate would always call me out. I was like, have you done something for yourself? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important doing something for yourself. Because um, I, I even don't like when people celebrate, not with me, but for me, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a very Irish thing, but like, it is. I'd say it's like this kind of almost a kind of an imposter thing. We don't like it. It's kind of like, oh, they're getting notions. As my yeah, mother. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I I prefer framing in that, you know, 
you appreciate yourself and you're going to do something nice for yourself because you did this and you want to appreciate yourself as opposed to having a circle around you and everyone congratulating you and everyone building you up. Uh, that would make me uncomfortable. In. And I often get uncomfortable when people, you know, congratulate or celebrate me. I'm kind of like, you know, relax everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, again, it's probably comes from a level of modesty and, and a level of Irishness where you simply, ca- it's tough to take compliments in, in that world. Um, but yeah, to touch on the point of being self-aware, I always was. Early years, I don't think I, I was. I I worked a lot. I, I won't say I worked a lot on it, but I worked so much in that world where I probably was forced to. Um, and I would have went through years of selfishness in building that business. Those early years of the business were very selfish years. Um, for others, like you know, I cut a lot of people. Not, I, no, it sounds harsh. I cut people out, like, but I didn't no, live the. Saying. I didn't live the stereotypical early time. I didn't do a J1 or I didn't, you know, holiday much in the summer or I probably didn't give enough time. I certainly didn't give any time to uh, relationships in my life. You know, my, my first and, and current partner was my first partner and that was at 25, you know, and that was a decision I kind of made where I was like, okay, I need to look at this now because for the last five years I haven't had a stable relationship because I haven't, I was selfish and I, I wouldn't give it time. Um, so I think in all that, then you, I was never, well, there's a couple of elements, you know, there's the, the reality of I, I've been in therapy for the last two years and that you're nearly forced to, to learn some self-care methods and that, like it or not. Um, so, you know, I benefit so much from that. But even prior to that, I would have had a good understanding of my own, I suppose, emotion and my own connection to everything and and identifying if I am just doing this out of a selfishness or if this is something that I want to do or something that I feel like I should be doing, um, which is a hard thing to navigate for early 20s because, and even I'm finding it now as I progress into my later 20s, you know, it's a different world when you're approaching 30. Prior to, I'm going to say 25 is like a benchmark before and after 25, and, and I, I don't want to... I don't want to stick on that because everyone's different, but you know, before 25, you're holidaying, you're moving around, you might be single, you're moving country. After 25, your friends are more relationships, it's more serious, you're looking at mortgages. Maybe, you know, I have some friends that are 30 are just going traveling now, so that isn't a, a blanket statement, but generally, the, the general theme of later 20s is more of a kind of a panic is the wrong word but i kind of need to have a bit more structure on what your life looks like um and that can be really tough for people so i've seen that switch myself in that you know in in years past when i was in my early 20s it was all go 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 and i'm gonna live here in this country and i'm gonna travel for six months and i'm gonna own a business here and own a business there whereas now it's kind of that that perspective changes a small bit um and again that might come back to maturity or it might come back to really digging into what do I actually want out of my life or is this what, is this what I thought I wanted based off other people's perception of, of, of success. Um, so I found that interesting recently, I suppose, and that comes from a lot of self-reflection and how I feel now at 26 and how I feel, at, how I felt at 22, 23. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a great thing. I suppose that's growth at the, at the end of the day, you know, it'd be, it'd be terrible if I was sat here at 28, 29, 30 and still, acting the way I was when I was 21, 22, 23. Um, you know, you're given those years to 
figure out who you are and exp- express yourself and uh, and again you know, I, I don't even like putting ages on it because I have friends that are in their 30s I have friends in their 40s my friends in their 50s that are starting new businesses moving country changing careers so that world of um change never leaves i suppose but it's it's i suppose everything that comes with it and, and these um stereotype stereotype um predispositions that are given i suppose is is, a, is the scary part of that i can relate to exactly what you're saying like I, I know what you're saying about kind of like those kind of like little milestone brackets of kind of age and stuff it's kind of when you're filling out the census when you kind of like yeah the, exactly yeah yeah um so i know exactly what you're saying you kind of get pigeonholed but like yeah it, it, that that kind of level of awareness and stuff or change for people come, or people may never change or may not want to change and that's cool mm-hmm. but that whole thing of like traveling in your 30s or getting it day one or doing it all it depends but i think it's it's being clear i think it all starts with being clear on what you value and your values and mm-hmm. i don't believe a lot of people know what they what their values are and they're yeah. kind of like almost winging it or they're living a life based off what other people think and mm-hmm. when because that was the biggest thing I was doing for years. And I was like, why is my mental health so shit? Uh, yeah. so at 29, I was like, okay, now I actually have to start taking a bit of self-care. And you do have to be a little bit. I think I think selfishness is a good thing. I think fear is a mm. good thing. And I think imposter syndrome was a good thing. Yeah, I agree. But I think a lot of people will like use those things as things to kind of stop them from actually doing what they want. And I always, mm-hmm. have you ever read, I've read the book Courage is Calling by Ron Holiday? No. So he talks about fear an awful lot. And he, in that book, he talks about fear is the most common, is one of the things that every single person on this earth has in common. We fear doing yeah. something all the time. But if you think about all the breakthroughs, like Steve Jobs or Madame Curie or Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi, they've all had fear, but mm-hmm. they've, they've kind of moved the benchmark. They've had to do something. They do it through fear. They don't let it uh, paralyze them. Um, yeah it's a really good book and it's short enough like you, you get through it pretty quickly i, I yeah, definitely great. recommend it uh yeah. i haven't asked any questions i sent you over i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a very common theme is i i pick a tangent and i go down it and but i prefer these mindset episodes so do i yeah yeah and, and, and to be honest with you, i don't like answering the pre-rehearsed questions because number one it's probably a thousand podcasts where i've thought I've spoken and done those pre-recordings so it's general information um and I suppose the actual conversation is is you know conversing. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I prefer doing these kind of ones anyway because I know I sent over the questions. I was kind of like it was just in case. Um, yeah, no problem. No, no, I appreciate that. Um, so I think how do you find? Because I know you've worked with kind of GA teams and you've worked with kind of Munster Rugby as well. I think is what you said. Mm-hmm. How do you find the 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 difference in the fueling kind of athletes? to kind of fueling general population apart from the amount of food that's there but from a different yeah. mindset element of side of things um yeah it's it's it differs and every demographic differs um and even like the difference in the ga and the monster because you're going from a semi-professional to a professional setup too yeah. you know now credit where credit's due it's very it's very they're very similar so the semi-professional setup is is very very good you know it, it nearly mimics a professional setup and that's reflected in if you like a lot of my friends are, are, are county players and they may as well be professional you know it's, it's such a huge part of their so life yeah so <clears throat> I, it's nearly un, it's only unjust to consider it a semi-professional role when it's it's such a huge huge thing but in terms of feeding them 
Yeah, when you're looking at the the nutrition element of the teams, a lot of the conversation is around, you know, the standard protein portion, uh, carb quantity, the carb choices relative to pre or post match. Um, there'll be more of the nitty gritty just in terms of refueling. Now, they're generally are very, very good in terms of they give us a lot of freedom. Um, and I suppose we can give some reassurance in that, you know, if we're pitching to a team or if our first conversation is with a team, you know, we have these guidelines of it's going to be X amount of grams pro- protein per portion. Like with carbs, there's going to be an element of, of vegetables there as well. So we're already ticking boxes that might be an issue. Um, you know, unfortunately with food, margin is so small. There, the usually the area places fall down is is the quant or is portion size. You know, the bigger mm-hmm. portion, the lesser margin. But those high performing teams need generally big portions. Um, but then when you're looking at general general population, it typically changes to, you know, the the details of the food often differs into just the convenience, um, of the dinners. You know, so our dinner, a dinner for a an athlete after training the purpose of that is replenishing their you know their collection stores or getting that 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 portion of protein whereas for joe soap that works in the corporate that's just a convenient dinner to save him an hour in the day so Mm. you know even for me the selling point is different if i'm selling to a team you're selling the nutrition element you're selling the the recovery and the replenishment and the, the nutrition whereas if you're selling to the general public a healthy bias is there but it's more so i've always found you know the the turning point is the convenience it's having dinner at home when you get home from work it's you know especially if you don't like cooking that's the the, the beauty of the of that thing is that you don't have to cook you know i'll cook for you and that hour that you would give in the evening time every day is not eradicated. So if you get five dinners a week, you're probably getting five hours back in your week that you don't have to cook anymore in the evening time if you're cooking for an hour per evening, which wouldn't be uncommon, um, especially in a family household. So the selling point is different, and that's just how we view it is that, you know, who's the demographic? Are they looking for – and, you know, some gen, general pop, the gen pop crowd – are athletes you know it could be marathon runners it could be you know semi-professional uh rugby players whatever maybe that aren't part of these frameworks of a county or 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 a monster setup or whoever maybe so you know there's that element too where there needs to be a kind of general basis of it is a well-balanced dinner you're you know you're guaranteed that um the quantity or the options we give should cover all bases of your preferences of in food and then it's what you take from it then, I suppose, we have to hone in on. If you're a busy working professional at age 25, 30, you probably want it because it's convenient. Yeah. If you're buying for your parents, uh, which an awful lot of people do, would buy meals and they give to their parents who might be in homes or who might, they might look after, it's a convenient element too. It's a well-balanced dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, we've even had the point where we would have worked with, you know, maybe by assignment for homeless shelters. And then it nearly changes to we need food that can be digested easily that isn't uh can be ch- can you can chew quite easily um and well balanced too so you know there's a kind of entry level which needs to be met and then after that then it's near you're nearly determining on who you're selling to and, and what what is the primary source then of, of the sale we'll say in that regard but 
across the board, you know, we've been lucky. We have a, a range of demographics, be it from high-performing athletes to busy working class to people feeding their their parents, students, um, or workplaces. And, you know, nine times out of ten, two main things of a well-balanced meal and, and convenience tick 90% of the boxes. Uh, and then after that, you know, you have to ask yourself then, you know, it's that whole thing of 20% of my audience are causing 80% of, of my, my issues. You know, you might have people looking for uh, keto meals or yeah, really you know, stringent meals. So, you know, and, and, and when I first started, I was appeasing everyone. Like I was doing, you know, we'd have bodybuilders and they needed real tight calorie, low carb meals. And I, I was doing them. And then, you know, it gets to a volume then where we're doing 500 dinners and I need two dinners with no rice. Or And, and trying to tell a operating chef's that in a, in a meal prep kitchen, you know, it's it's a pain in the hole, to be honest. So you learn over time, and I suppose you learn through the security in, in having business there anyway, that, you know, you can't please everyone. Uh, and you find your lane then. So there are other meal prep companies that are much more suited to people than we are. Um, we're a good, wholesome dinner the calories would range from like six, seven, 800 calories. So we don't have any real meals that would do like 400 calories or less. Um, because I would never eat a dinner for less than 400 calories. That would be a snack for me. Um, so that was the basis of that. And then, you know, for a while we played with it. So, you know, do we need to put a range in that our lower calorie um, or, you know, a fitness range of meals? And to be honest, we like, no, like we know what we are. This is our brand. We'll stick to our guns. We have our own audience, and and anyone else. Then there's there are far better companies that will that will that will meet your needs if that's what your need is. But that's a that was a kind of nice learning curve for us too. Is that we find our audience, and it's kind of a case of build it and they will come. I really like that idea of kind of just like you know exactly what you are and who you are. You kind of have your identity, and it's kind of like sticking to that and being clear on. It comes back to your values. Which you kind of spoke about, right? It's being that takes, that. A, that takes a while to establish. Yeah, because I know at the beginning you're kind of like you're in that scarcity mode of yeah. like when's the next bill? When's the I have to pay my bills to keep the lights on? I have to feed myself. So yeah. it's kind of like I understand exactly where you're coming from, like saying yes to everyone, and then kind of almost end up turning out to be a busy fool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you, and you end up being like so stressed, and you end up burning out yourself for the sake of. I don't know, a very small amount of revenue for the sake of yeah. your peace yeah. of mind. And it's it's important to have that because I know myself from working with people on a daily basis, there are clients that will take a little bit more time. But mm-hmm. if you're working with them a little bit more hands-on, at the beginning, they'll be able to fly away at the end. But it, it's being prepared for that and then being prepared for that as well and having that open conversation. But it's, it is having that boundary for yourself. You meant you described me brilliantly in that of someone who doesn't like to cook. I see my girlfriend describes mm-hmm. me as, as someone who sees cooking as a process, a way to eat. That's okay. <laughs> and the ironic thing is, I want I wanted to be a chef when I did transition here. I did my work experience in the kitchen. No way. Yeah, I did the full shifts for two weeks. Everyone else is getting paid just to work in their dad's friend's legal firm scanning paper scanning their bums or whatever it was on, on yeah. i did the proper shifts and didn't get didn't get a penny um yeah. but it's hard work and i think, yeah, I think is, that's yeah. i think that's why i've gone off cooking <clears throat> but what advice have you got for someone who doesn't necessarily like cooking particularly yeah. if you have family 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I suppose like I, I, I always mentioned this at the start of my cooking demos is like my job isn't to convince you to love cooking. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, that would be an impossible feat for a lot of people. So my job essentially when doing this cooking demos is to show you how to feed yourself with the minimum amount of effort and getting, you know, the maximum amount of flavor in that time frame then as well, or, or that willingness or what, whatever you're willing to give. Um, so there's the best advice I would give to people is, I suppose, pick two or three dinners that you know you can do that aren't hugely time um, consuming and like was a breakfasts so for example if you're not a big avid of cooking you could simply just put this is make a meal um chicken and potatoes in the oven and just turn the oven on and go away for a while and you know they're the recipes i always encourage especially non-cookers to do is the stuff where you don't physically have to cook you're just turning on the oven put the stuff into the oven and go away and then come back when it's ready uh like the air fryer is a good example of that too you put it in plug it it'll time it'll beep when it's ready and you come back so you're not standing at least from the get-go then you're not standing over the cooker stirring a saucepan um you don't you don't even have to cook rice if you don't want to you know it can yeah. be baked you're supposed to be baked in the oven so you know it's it's finding those two or three recipes that are minimal efforts but maximum reward then so roasting um foods are great there's the kind of not pre well, premium meals, country munch, great. If you can afford it, eat that for the rest of your life. That's fantastic. But then there's other elements. So, you know, you can get that kind of pre-microwave um, rice that's already flavored for you. Brilliant. Um, and even the price that has come down a bit in like the likes of Ali and Little's, they have their own alternative um, store brand versions of that, which are great. It's another, if you, if the conversation was how to save money, it's the store brand stuff is, is always great options. Um so it's finding little tips and tricks and hacks amongst that to save you time because time is 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 the is the element that you want to save here. Um, if you hate cooking, it's not because you hate the act of it; it's that it's such a labor, some thing to do that you would rather be doing something else. Um, batch cooking is hugely beneficial in that regard. Then too, granted, you you'll have to cook, and that's just a way. You know, I always say in demos like. If you want to live in life, you're going to have to cook something. Um, unless you live a really privileged life and someone will cook for you forever. But <clears throat> a way of, of minimizing that throughout the week then is, you know, getting smart with batch cooking. So yeah. likewise, it's a Sunday. We don't like cooking. So instead of putting on a chicken breast and two potatoes in the oven, we're going to put on three chicken breasts and six potatoes into the oven. We're going to turn it on. We're going to season them. Whatever seasons we have, go away for a while, come back in an hour. And we've three dinners made. So we're going to box it up and that's Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday dinner done. So now we know at least come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday eating, we don't have to cook. Um, and that's, I suppose, a big mental gap freed for us then for those three days. Uh, breakfast can be can be prepped as well. You can do your overnight oats, you can do your porridge, you can do your eggs, you can do pancakes, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's this, there's a fine line between, you know, I don't like cooking, so you know, do you want to just eat your meals out all the time and spend the money? And if you do, that's fine. You know, people can do that. People have the luxury of doing that. But there's a there's a fine line. You know, I don't like cooking, but I'm also, I need to cook because I can't spend, keep buying meals out. Yeah. Um, so it's finding the meals that work for you, the ways that you like. And then once you find them, you can rotate them. You can, instead of using chicken, use mince. Instead of using mince, use fish. Instead of using potatoes, use you know uh, sweet potatoes and vegetables, or add in a rice or a 
mashed potato or a pasta or something like that. So always, especially I do it in schools, I kind of picture like a whiteboard. All foods are like magnets on it. And on one side of the whiteboard, we've all our magnetic foods of chicken, mince, lamb, pork, fish, turkey, all on the, on the left. In the middle, then we've all our carbs. We've our like spuds, rice, pasta, all those in the middle. And then on the right, we have our all our veggies, our carrots, parsnips, cabbage, broccoli, everything. And then every day, or it's, I mean, if you're batch cooking, just pick a magnet from the left, pick a magnet from the middle and pick two magnets from the rough far right hand side. So picking a carb, picking a protein, pick two veg and go with that. And then you can have a whole new world of your seasoning so that we use whatever you want and that will change the dish. So I used to do this thing with students where we have chicken, rice and broccoli, three ingredients. And we would make like a Mexican rice and Cajun chicken. That was one chicken, rice and broccoli. Then we would do like a risotto with the chicken, rice and broccoli. And then we would do a burrito. So it's three different dinners with the three same ingredients, cooked in a different fashion, adding different seasonings per meal. But the idea was that three ingredients can be used three different ways to make three different dishes. Um, and uh, like all of this comes down to just a little bit of education on cooking and practice and time, unfortunately. You know, you kind of need to do it once and you need to burn the spuds once to know that an hour is too much. So next time I'm going to cook for 45 minutes. Um, because you can read it all you like, but until you do it, until you physically burn food and you go hungry, then you'll never make the mistake again. Um, that's the biggest learning you know, curve of all. Go hungry for a while and you'll you'll always you'll always get it right then. Yeah. No, I, I know, 100% get you. And I can relate like the, I also like there's kind of like decision fatigue as well. It's kind of like just have the same yeah. breakfast each morning. Like most people eat majority of the same food Monday to Thursday and then Friday, Saturday and Sunday it gets a little bit scattered yeah. or a little bit of routine goes out the window. So yeah, cook more the evening before is also a quick way if you want to do that. Um, I always do like stuff like bolognese or curries or yeah, kind of fish dishes. It's just like stick it in Tupperware and then it's there for lunch the next day, particularly if you're playing sport or coming back from the gym. It's kind of like it's handy just there for you. Quick nuke in the microwave. And it's just, it it saves the hassle and then you just know that you're just cooking the next night but you're cooking for the next two or three meals like it's 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 not rocket science it also saves you a fortune yeah oh yeah, absolutely the money element alone is huge um yeah. but that might awesome. that might be enough that might be enough to persuade a person so it's it's the time and like there is other cues in like slow cookers for example are hugely beneficial um you know you can literally just put in there go to bed and wake up with dinner and even if batch cooking is too much of it's too overwhelming, you know, even just making the bolognese itself and then making fresh pasta every evening. You know, they're, they're the person that suits really well because you do get a sense of, um, you do better get, get a bit of instant gratification from cooking the pasta and then you're adding the cooked bolognese. So you kind of tricking yourself thinking, I've just cooked this lovely dinner when in reality you just boiled pasta or boiled rice, whatever it is. So, because there is a, I suppose, and that's why those those meal prep kits work really well. You know, where a meal prep dinner pre-made, and then the one level before us is a meal kit where you're given all the ingredients, measured and weighed, and you make it yourself. So, yeah. you know, they do half the work. Maybe they do sixty percent of the work, and you finish it, but you get all the gratification of cooking this whole awesome dinner. And you know, you know there's there's layer, layers to that then. So go one layer less is you know buy the mince but make the pasta or, or buy the pasta but make the mince whatever it may be find your 
least um, level of resistance in that world, you know, and, and stick to that. And like you said, then, you know, try and rotate as best you can. You know, the super six savers and those little analogies are fantastic every week because if you just focus on them, you'll get a different vegetable every week. Um, it's rare that they repeat them, you know. So every week there's six new options to use in your dinner this week. And it's always like onions are always generally decent ones that you can use in a, in a plethora of dishes. So that's a really good entry level one too. And that's focus on them. And I, I'm, I'm nearly certain that there's pages and blogs out there that, you know, focus on this week's super six savers. I'm sure Little Rally actually do it. I, I'd be amazed if they don't, or if they're not, they're missing a trick there in, you know, having a weekly recipe kit based on what super six savers are. Um, so, you know, using those small, little, small little cues, you know, like that, you know, small incremental changes make big differences over time. Um, and you see the benefits in 10 times over with money, with your health, with your time, um, and, and, and everything included. Is there a misconception? The last question I'll ask is, do you think there's a misconception of kind of like what a nutritious meal or healthy eating is? There's different levels of the understanding, I suppose. There's the person who's, who's oblivious to it, you know, and they're just having chipper every night of the week. So, uh, or there's a person that's semi-involved in sports or involved in sports, but doesn't know much about nutrition. So they know, like I would have said I was, misinformed is the wrong word, but, you know, when I was in sixth year or fifth year and I was playing rugby, I would have just, more was better for me, what I thought. So instead of having one filled of fish, I have two. And <laughs> instead of have a bowl of pasta, and some broccoli because I knew it was good for me. Um, so obviously, the more you know, the better it is. But you know, I also don't expect people to get an education in nutrition than to live a live a healthier life. So there's the general guidelines in you know knowing that you should be getting a probably a portion of protein and a portion of vegetables with every meal, and you know, a good good source of of carbohydrates with every meal. Um, and you know that only comes from self education, but at the very base level swapping out even just cooking a meal at home is better i think than, than ordering in a takeaway or, or, or whatever it may be so or the addition of a just the addition of a vegetable in your dinner even if you're still eating uh goujons and chips or whatever it is if you're adding in a, a vegetable element there or you're swapping an element is probably a better word if you're swapping in homemade chips instead of the store-bought chips small so small changes are great starter points for especially for the health conscious elements and that's at the very early um degree of that and then you know if you're curious you can delve into that more and then you can learn okay you know all of the, the phytonutrients and vitamins and minerals in 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 vegetables and, and even supplementation if you fall into that world you'll be studying forever but I nearly wouldn't even impose it on people, especially early on. It's more so, you know, do you know what? Good eating habits are probably more important. It's, we should be getting three meals a day, three well-balanced meals a day. Um, so I, I, I did go back on what I say there, and I would say the most important thing I would firstly do is look at their eating habits. So, like, you know, are you snacking an awful lot? Are you even getting a substantial dinner in? Are you having three large snacks throughout the day and then binging at nighttime? So fixing the structure, and getting a healthier relation with food first and then you can look internally at what you're actually eating itself you've hit the absolute nail on the head 
with the regular meals because I think it's very easy to be kind of all left, right, and center, or have no kind of regular meals, be busy, mm. all these kind of things. That becomes an identity and a story over time. But yeah. Like the meal doesn't have to be Michelin star, like eggs on toast and a bit of beans. Like there's protein, there's fiber, there's bread and carbs there. Like that's that, and you could throw in a half a handful of spinach as well. And there's a little bit more yeah. fiber for you and a bit more greens. Doesn't need to be Michelin star. I think the whole thing of getting regular meals in will keep you fuller for longer. Your energy, blood sugars, everything will keep you steadier for longer and it will reduce the likelihood of overeating and like people mm. are always like well what calories am i i was like you don't really need to worry about a lot of people don't need to worry about that at the beginning we need mm-hmm. just to get you to learn how to walk first and yeah yeah because yeah. there's so much information out there like it's amazing there's so much but it is almost like you're you're scrolling on social media watching mm-hmm. everyone else and having an opinion on something else and then you're like well he said this she said this so which am mm-hmm. i meant to leave and then you're like i have no idea what i'm doing it, yeah and like it's it, it must be the, the the toughest world to navigate nutrition in particular training you know because exercise is there's so many outlets for exercise but generally the feeling you get the dopamine hit yeah. is consistent with all of them uh, however you exercise your body may be different but the feeling you get is generally the same whereas with food it can be very different you know because you're watching you know your influencer that you may love who is ketogenic or you're watching this other who's a vegan or you're watching this bodybuilder who's eating five thousand calories a day um or you're watching another influencer who does uh if it's your macros and they're you know getting in an awful lot of processed sugars and none of it is wrong but none of it might suit you which is the issue um you know so there's no it's not even worth saying this is right and this is wrong it's just we don't know what suits you we don't know what 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 your eating habits are you may have no no eating habits so you may have a clue what suits you so you're yeah. only following a template of somebody else um which is dangerous you know for, for especially for your younger age groups you know um it's it's terrifying to think of you know a young preteen or, or teenage and uh, that generation growing up social media now and just being exposed to all of it everywhere so much time. information like yeah. so much I, I i look back and i was like i wasn't like i think i got that triangle that pyramid the nutritional pyramid when i was in school and that was it i was lucky that my parents were like well you have to eat your veg if you're not eating your veg like you're not leaving the table yeah i'd nearly argue there's so much content but there's not a whole pile of actual information in it you know especially at that age group i don't know if they're actually delving into the the information side of it they're just they're just consuming content and they're yeah. you know that alone then is is negative because they're not they're not researching the benefits or or, or pros and cons of, of x or y diet they're just seeing this person on this social media platform behind these pillars behind these filters and they might be endorsing a product or endorsing a lifestyle and instead of you know having uh, and you never would as a teenage you know to go through the ins and outs of what actually is this and what is the benefit you're just taking this person's word for it which is so dangerous you know it's it's that that's a podcast in itself and that's that's a serious issue and it's it's a huge concern um because you know i i would have worked in it and i know several people with eating disorders and and, and you know anorexia in, in young teenage girls and men in particular i was so rampant like and just the services aren't there for it but there's no, there's no, there's no way to curtail it at that age because you can't take a phone off a, off a teenager. You can't limit what they're looking at. So, you know, content is everywhere, but 
information isn't necessarily as 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 resourceful as, as that. Yeah, it is. It is. It is being careful of where you're kind of mm. getting your information from. It's also like looking at who are you hanging around with as well. I think it's. Yeah. I think an awful lot of food, like food, is a social aspect. It's a massive social mm. aspect. So if you see, I don't know. I don't know Mary down the road who is strong and lean and stuff like that and you see that she's kind of eating what she wants and maybe you're someone else who's potentially struggling with her weight but you're doing exactly what she's doing mm-hmm. but you actually don't know what she's doing behind doors and I remember talking to some one of the clients recently and she was kind of like well do you actually know what she's doing on a daily basis and like is she training is she running is she like what's she actually doing with her nutrition and she she kind of approached her kind of like in a nice way and said like what what's what's going on well, your one was open enough and kind of said, well, I actually have an eating disorder. So your one was actually purging back home yeah. in order to, and like, that's not, that's not a healthy mindset. She's getting, no. thankfully she's getting help now, but we've no idea mm. what's going on. And the biggest thing that I've realized from working with clients on a daily basis on with nutrition and training, particularly nutrition is the mindset and that kind of like how much of it is linked to what we think other people think like people say well i want i I can't control myself around the food if someone doesn't have any i'm not talking about there's the difference in eating disorder and disordered eating eating disorders if you can't stop stop, and disordered eating is your relationship with food isn't healthy but generally it's the food isn't the issue for an awful lot of people it's what they think Mm. about themselves is projected onto it's like oh i'm I have this apple here beside me, so I'm a good person. But if I have the chocolate here beside me, I'm a bad person. It's like, think about it logically. Step away from it. It's like how Putin and Hitler, bad people. Mary down the road for having a piece of chocolate, not a bad person. <laughs> it's it, the, the the polarity and the language you're using, you're putting mm. shame and blame on yourself, saying, I am a bad person for having a carb or a fat. It's like, well, yeah. there's no issue. Because I was talking to someone recently, like, I had uh, sugar, I had like a bowl of sugar. I had a bowl of, not a bowl of sugar, bowl of uh, cereal in the evening. And I was like, yeah, happy days. She's like, well, it's the carbs and sugar. I shouldn't have them stay late at night. I was like, would you have the same response if you had fruit late at night? And she was mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? It's like, fruit is sugar and carbs. She's like, yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, I get you now. I'm going to, I'm going to stop being silly now. <laughs> Like, yeah, if, yeah. If you actually if you actually challenge the thought, it's a hell. Of course, yeah, yeah. It's a perception, it's a perception of all, like you know. But that's taught from somewhere. That's that's yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah. Thanks to the the glorious world of slimming clubs. Yes, of course, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but I've gone off on a tangent. Uh, but uh, the last question I'm going to ask you is: death row meal, three people you'd invite, and who would cook it? I oh, yeah, ask this question so much, and I never have a good answer for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, last time I answered, I had a good answer. I wish I could fucking look back at that one. Um, so I'll go through what I'll have first. People are bringing, I don't know. Um, even just a touch to go back on what we were talking about there, and this is this is part of my answer. I don't what I cook for myself. People would be amazed. Like it is not high high quality good food, especially you know. My, I have a generally busy-ish lifestyle in, in that, you know, there's a business and, and, and media work between Limerick and Dublin. So I'm on the road an awful lot. So a lot of time I'm eating out of my car. I am a criminal for just eating sandwiches or toast. Just I absolutely just love them. Um, and, you know, a dinner for me could generally look like two turkey burgers, a packet of 
couscous that I had water to and then some a vegetable of some sort if I if I have a vegetable in the fridge. So the this idea people always say to me, oh, geez, you must you must cook beautiful meals yourself. I never. I usually eat out of the pot that it might have some left over in the kitchen after people have been fed. And and that's I suppose that's um that's very telling of me then like, you know, I I, I love feeding people but I'm not great at feeding myself. Yeah. Um but for their own meal, I, I will treat myself if it's my last meal. So I would do love Italian. I, I live, I travel in Italy an awful lot. I go to Italy quite a bit and I lived in Malta for a while and I went to Italy quite a lot when I was there. So like that kind of Mediterranean food is quite close to my heart. So I'm always like between like a good pizza and garlic dip or a good like wholesome pasta dish, like a, a carbonara or something like that. I would love that main dinner. Um, or then I have this whole other subset then of a good, wholesome, home-cooked meal from my mother out in West Limerick, you know, a good shepherd's pie or a stew. Um, so they'd be the two main dinners, uh, either some Italian or some home-cooked by, by my mother. Um, and then, I don't know, sort of like I love like red velvet cake or so, a cho- I have such a sweet tooth, red velvet or anything chocolate I would devour and then a point to Guinness and I'd be sound I reckon I'd be good at that and who was your invite dead or alive yeah I'd like my live now for a bit of crack but that was never been all crack Um, Anthony Bourdain would be a good one uh, only because I've read his book recently and he's at the forefront of my mind at the moment but he's really interesting uh, he has some great stories um, I'm a big fan of Tommy Tiernan I think if, I think a bit of comedic element would be handy there I always if, and I, when I think of this question like you kind of want someone you can learn from someone you can laugh at and then probably someone nostalgic that you know like a, a relative or, or someone maybe has passed so I probably would bring someone like that so someone that I'd like to meet again someone that would make us laugh because it'd be a very somber mood of my last meal, and then someone that I could learn from, some someone you know like Bourdain or not to be too cheesy, but someone like Elon Musk or something like that of of that caliber. Actually, sorry, you know, I'm actually going to take the back. There's a guy called Chuck Feeney. I remember now my last my last answer, and I'm glad I do because I, I stand by it. There's this guy called Chuck Feeney. I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, The Billionaire That Never Was. He's this American entrepreneur. <clears throat> and I won't tell you the whole story now, but he started basically uh, duty-free in all airports. He started in America. He was in the Navy, and he started, or, uh, he sold to the Navy in their naval bases, selling like liquor and all that kind of stuff. Started duty-free, built it up with his, with his partners to this huge, like beyond big uh, organization, and, you know, just happened to become multi-multi-millionaire and then a billionaire, but never really looked for that lifestyle. So he set up this philanthrop- uh, anonymous philanthropist uh, organization and put most of his money. I think he had a number he needed. He needed like, let's just say, 10 million himself to support all of his sources, resources and family, whatnot. And everything else went to this philanthropy fund. And he built like schools all over the world. He was involved in UL in Limerick, uh, Trinity in Dublin. And I didn't notice until reading the book um the name of the book I'm pretty sure it's The Billionaire That Never Was and I was only just I actually listened to it I didn't read it I listened to it and it was only in listening he was like then Chuck Feeney came to Ireland and helped uh, Trinity then helped University of Limerick um, so it was mad like full circle moment but he's a really interesting character it's a really good story of like 
knowing when enough is enough um, and then was really, I suppose, humble enough to, to put all of the other assets to good use. So he'd have to be there, a comedian of some sort, Tommy Tiernan, Brendan Grace, I'd love to speak to as well. And then uh, someone I'd like to meet again, a, a friend or a relative that, that has passed. There's a couple of them I could pick from. So yeah, that would be it. I'd be happy with that. Pretty, pretty solid uh, trio there you have. Yeah, so, yeah. Pretty solid meals. If home cooked for the rest of the time, it'd be a tough call. I wouldn't just have both. That's, I, then I would say I usually have probably the Italian starter. Like I'd have just pizza for starter and then have something for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a good shout. Um, Owen, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out about the, what you do and where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so... My own name, Owen Sheehan, E-O-I-N, uh, on social media. You'll see me there. Instagram's probably the best one, uh, but where I'd be on most from TikTok too. And um, I'm on the 6 o'clock show on Virgin Media nearly every second week. If you, again, if you follow the Instagram, you'll see when I'm up there. And then if you'd like, if you're in the vicinity of Limerick or the extremities of that, if you'd like to try countrymunch.com, that's our meal prep service. And yeah, I suppose my, my goal is to either physically feed you or teach you to feed yourself. Uh, and I'm able to do that both that now. You know, I can physically feed you if you're in the area, if you want to buy a meal. But if you're not, I can teach you to feed yourself through all the content and socials. And um, it's going to be a great year. We have a lot planned this year uh, in terms of content, in terms of new stuff coming out. So, yeah, I'd encourage anyone if they're looking to get into cooking or looking for more recipes um, to stick around and join in and interact. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Alan. Not about it. My pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me. Massive thank you to Owen for coming on to the, the podcast and sharing so much of his mental health journey and also his journey in general. So it's been amazing to have that chat and I hope you have taken something from that. It, as always, if you have enjoyed that episode at all, please do tag, share and up on social media, leave a review up on iTunes and Spotify as always. And I wouldn't be doing my job if if you want to work with myself in the Female Fatless Program, which starts on the 10th of April, 2023. This week is your last week to sign up the places how i've had to open up more places because there was such demand for it so if you're interested in working with me in that capacity for one euro 70 day 99 euro for eight weeks where you'll improve your relationship with food you will learn how to have your weekends and enjoy them you'll also enjoy and get away from that all or nothing mindset break away from that slimming clubs background well then this is the program for you so click on the link in the show notes but also you can pop me a dm as well so i hope you guys have enjoyed the episode at home